Hey guys, welcome to the debrief after our episode with Tyler Cowan. Tyler Cowan, tech intellectual, um, smart guy. I love tech his concise uh, answers. Do you know, um, interview talking to someone like Tyler is? I'm glad there's two of us. Let me just say that. Yeah, because Tyler <laughs> responds so quickly, right, and with such precision and clarity of thought. He, he, not he's, a waste. It's challenging. Of yeah, that it it almost becomes challenging to talk to mm-hmm. him because. Generally, when someone is uh, like giving an answer, uh, we are in parallel. At least I am, David. I don't know how your brain works, but like I'm in parallel listening to that response and then also forming my next question. And that next question is either based on his response, something that that um, mm-hmm. you know his response tri- triggers a new question, or based on some other path right. that I want to ask him. And my brain can't even process that fast enough to decide which of those directions I want to take. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad you're there to just like, it takes two of us to take someone like Tyler Cowan, I think. Uh, it's because he's so precise in his speech. Like yes. he doesn't start off, he starts off his first word with the answer, the, the answer yes. which is like intuitive to listen to me say that. Like you start talking about your answer. But if you go, if you go and pay attention to like normal, a normal podcast guest yeah you'll notice the first like half sentence that people say almost always you can cut that out sure i when i used to i used to without losing anything yeah i used to edit uh the bankless podcast and part of that i edited pov crypto and when i was like like super motivated highly caffeinated (laughs) i would go into and start cutting out people's first half of their sentences because i knew it would actually get in the way of the listenership it's also true of the questions like sometimes yes when we ask questions I know we have a tendency to, like, you could probably cut out pieces mm-hmm. of the preamble before the question. 100%. But most people use that as time to sort of think or to couch right. or to, like, frame up or... Right. They're uh, zeroing in on what they want to say. Exactly. But they started talking first. Yeah. Well, he doesn't do that. He gets... Yeah. It's it's basic... I mean, you call me an AI, David. It's basically, like, talk... Like, right. you just input question into um, output, Tyler yeah. mm-hmm. GPT, and he outputs the answer very precisely and very fast so you're like oh okay and it's a good answer yeah it's a great answer it's like uh, not a wasted word and everything was like like deep so i was having a conversation with um some um some crypto friends uh that i know and um they were talking about how uh, intellectuals of the sort that that tyler might be representative of have such a negative and critical take of crypto right now there's another guest that uh, I don't know if you know him uh, very much, but um, his name's Peter uh, Zihan. Zihan or Zihan? Zihan? Uh, yeah. Wait, one of the macro guys that we want to get on the pod? Not quite a macro guy. I wouldn't call him a macro guy. He's more like a demographics expert. Right. Um, but you yes. you would probably throw him in the category of macro takes. Yeah. Um, and I he was on Sam he Harris. He was point. on Sam Harris. I listened yeah. to that episode. And it was uh, an episode very much about um, basically his, his through line is demographics is destiny. And so if you want to figure out the state of geopolitics or economics or the world or the future, you just have to look at the underlying demographics of every individual country, right? And he's like, Europe looks like really bad right now. They're not having enough babies. And it's it's literally about which country has people of of quality working age. Well, yeah. It's basically that productive output mm-hmm. and that this leads to growth and all sorts of things. Like Japan having a real bad time right now. Mm. America of developed countries actually not as bad. Um, people in the U.S. have more babies. 
anyway, he, he's much more nuanced take than I'm giving it. Um, but he also talks about China, right? And mm-hmm. he actually thinks um, China is, is sort of weaker than maybe right. uh, it, a little overrated in its strength, right? Because it has. I think ver- his take was uh, China is peaking. Yeah, and uh-huh. and his take is he's almost like he's almost goes so far on that he's like a demographics maximalist. Anyway, it's someone I've wanted to um, bring on and talk to because I don't think I properly understand demographics mm-hmm. in the context of and part of the, the 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 bankless podcast is exploring the world and figuring out what's going to happen next and demographics is obviously a key part of that and i i almost wholly discount it but when you look at things like inflation or productivity or are things going to grow uh it does come back to demographics that's the key point that he makes that is the long-term trends how many people are there um and anyway it's a story that i wanted to uh get on bankless um, I saw Peter on a clip that actually one of our episode uh, editors uh, sent us, uh, and it was Peter on Joe Rogan giving just an utterly absurd, dumb take on crypto, David. Oh, you mean like a marks the bottom type of take? Yeah, but just like crypto is not a store of value. It's always been a scam. Everything's Literally broken. saying that Bitcoin no use cases. is not even going to zero. It's going below zero. I don't know what that means, David. Just like... An absolute slam fest of not right. Just like it's useless. It's never been. It's always been a scam. And um, so sad, dude. It is sad. When, because, when you tell me that somebody's got to take that Bitcoin's going below zero, you know that like that's such an emotionally charged, irrational take because by definition that, you know, it's like coming from a place of, of not quality understanding. Yes. It's a simple, lazy take, um, you know. All respect to Peter and his other work. I, I just, it's it's hard for me to listen when to his other work and and see that in kind of a a, a glowing way. Right. When I see very simple takes on on things. Right. To be fair, I'm sure he doesn't know uh, crypto. Obviously, to the extent that maybe, yeah, but then that, know to not give out takes that you don't have any business doing exactly this was like it's going to zero i know this for a fact and right. bitcoin's even going to negative and i also know for a fact it's always been a scam so i'm not surprised at 2022 and it'll get worse from here uh bottom line period it's just garbage right. we don't need this thing and right. it's um it's a rat, waste rat and it's a tax. Yeah. no nuance anyway um i guess i would put him in a bucket generally of intellectuals right. so I, I sort of led with um tyler cowan being sort of a tech intellectual Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about um, Peter is, I think, in kind of listening to him and, and reading his work, he is an intellectual, certainly, but is not a tech future forward intellectual, okay? And there is very much a difference here. So, you know your question uh, to Tyler toward the mm-hmm. end, which is like, hey, Kathy Wood's thesis, the future is coming faster than we think. Um, Tyler's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I Of course, Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It, that's why he's a tech intellectual. He's tech optimist. Somebody like Peter, com- it is a, like very smart in in his particular area. Completely discounts human agency on affecting change, and like technical progress in a special, in, you know, uh, specifically. And so at that level, I, I guess I'm not surprised that someone like Tyler is very bullish on crypto. And someone like Peter is incredibly bearish. Because if you are bullish human innovation, human ingenuity, if you're a bullish technology and bullish the future, if you are a tech optimist, a tech intellectual, then you also have to be open and bullish on crypto, at least to the possibility. 
And that's yeah. why, um, so I was having this conversation with, uh, with some uh, Twitter people, I don't know, crypto uh, friends, and um, they're saying like, I mean, it's look, when Peter, uh, Peter Zihan says these things, it reflects on crypto, right? It's just like, look how bad things have gotten in 2022. We've completely ruined our reputation among this kind of tech, tech uh, elite intellectual types. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but no. Just the ones who are giving surfacey level, like uh, surfacey right. lazy takes, that's where crypto's ruined its reputation. People like Tyler, what does he say on the back of 2022? Right, the worst possible year reputationally crypto has ever had. I, I think yeah. we can say that concretely. He's saying no regulators, hold up, take a breath, mm-hmm. don't do a knee jerk reaction, mm-hmm. and regulate and crush innovation on the back of this ftx thing the best thing you could do is nothing Mm -hmm. and you even if you know crypto doesn't amount to anything what will you have lost but there is some possible upside here that you should be looking at and you should see and that should be enough that upside potential should be enough for you to just hit the brakes and pause anyway tech intellectual versus backward think like not uh, I don't know. I don't know if tech, you know, technophobe is is the right approach. But uh, do you is know it, what I mean? Is, like, there's is, a difference. Is it like uh, the the crux here is being an optimist versus not necessarily a pessimist? But like, really, that's what I see out of Tyler and many other people that I think give crypto more of a time of day than the average person is optimism. Is that a fair take? I think it's optimism, but it's more it's more specific optimism. It's technology optimism. Tec- techno optimist. Yeah, a techno optimist. Mm. Um. And I think Tyler is one of those, and not everyone is. But techno-optimists, I think, are more generally to be open to crypto, is, I guess, yeah. my observation. Yeah. I think that, that's the, kind of the concept I was really exploring during, like, the NFT mania. Uh, mania. Uh, but also, like, it was like DAOs and NFTs were simultaneously going through this, like, renaissance in the middle of, like, 2021. And... It's all community, right? And the deeper you go down into crypto, the crypto rabbit hole, I think you come out uh, understanding that this this thing isn't like a bunch of shadowy super coders who've managed to manipulate code to create these unstoppable financial Ponzi's and it comes and disrupts everything that it touches. It's actually, no, there are communities that discover alignment with certain values that are baked into code that some people have chosen to write. But it's communities first. Like, what what is Bitcoin without a community of people that support it, right? With at the end of the day, with which can be just a holder base, uh, but still you're holding it for a specific reason. Um, and like that's kind of been my philosophy on crypto all the way down is community all the way down, which is like the most like heartwarming, yeah. like enjoyable, optimistic, bullish, bullish people, humanity, bullish. Yeah, bullish humanity, like property to have is like, oh, the crypto only works because of community. Like everything about crypto is powered by community. And then, and then when you tell me like this guy, like Peter Zihan is like, Bitcoin is going to like negative, 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 <laughs> negative numbers, which again is just like you, he, he knows, like he knows that's not a rational thing to say. He's yeah. being hyperbolic yeah. on purpose. Okay. But what motivates him to be so hyperbolic? Like, why is he? How does he? Why so is he much? putting that take out into the world when you you know that that can't even be a thing? And so, like, you're putting this out is like it's it's so bad that it's going into negative numbers. 
It betrays like, a bias, honestly. It, yes, exactly. Right. It's like you're showing your cards when you say that. When you when you when you say like it's going to a negative number, which begs the question of why why is the negative bias there? Why is the negative um, yeah vibe there among these um you know many many of these sorts of people and out there in the world? Like it's not right. just Peter; it's you know many kind of intellectuals. Um, well, that's kind of one of the questions I had to Tyler is like the trend that I see are people that are stuck inside of a single silo of something be it academia or government or like find like trad wall street when they're when they're people that aren't multidisciplinary yeah they tend to react negatively well, to crypto did you see him apologize on behalf of all yeah. economists <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, like I, I i sincerely i like i felt like that was a sincere apology 100 like on on behalf of his craft right like, he was just like i'm an economist and i'm sorry yeah <laughs> like my field like my uh treating, my fellow doing crafts you guys dirty men yeah. my fellow crafts people have have not given crypto the attention that yeah. it warrants yeah. and i'm sorry for that yeah. um but it's just interesting he he definitely uh, identifies with i guess the uh economist community but he gave some reasons for that like when we asked why he say uh you know just ivory tower phenomenon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i guess not invented here syndrome uh, some of these underlying yeah. reasons. Ooh, not invented here syndrome. Did he say that? I don't know. That was just a maybe an interpretation of of what he said. But um, not in, not invented here syndrome. I think is great. Well, I look. I think again. It's a great I, name. I made the point in the in the episode, but I think there's um there's an element of like, well, you don't have to get a degree in economics to be an economist, do you? Um, Justin Drake is a yeah. freaking economist. Yeah, I mean there there are some times where. Like you, you and I are podcasters, but we talk to a lot of very deep experts and we pick and choose our experts like Lynn Alden. We bring on Jim Bianco yeah. to, to learn from. But then I see other people give takes, other economists give takes about the economy. And I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I, and I know, and but I'm they just have a an podcaster, from, like, but, but they have something. an MBA yeah. and I'm just a podcaster, but I'm a podcaster that talked to three, four other macro economists and I can connect what they're saying to something over here in crypto that's unrelated to economies. And those two things make sense. And so like, that makes me feel good. Wow. And there's nothing about that data point out there that makes sense to me whatsoever. So I'm calling bullshit on that one. Well, I think this is the value of um, self-education too. It's yeah. just like, man, you have to keep your eyes open. You, the mm-hmm. The path to understanding economics is not in a university curriculum, is it? Or a degree. Mm-hmm. It's like self-exploration and actually like figuring this out to your, for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um I think you know. that what, that's, that's what gives crypto people so much like confidence and energy is like a lot of our beliefs about things come from first principles. Yeah. And it makes it really hard to shake us. Well, and that's why like people have such strong conviction in, in their beliefs and why like people kind of come to be known as like crypto bros. Do you remember so that? Because like, no, you can't change my mind. Well, it came although, from first principles. Okay. So do you identify as a crypto bro? Because I don't. You, yes. Okay. But so I don't like I also, labels, I also so don't yeah. identify as an ETH maxi, but I'll I accept the I get, I get it. I know the nuance yeah. now. We've had yeah. discussions like this. Yeah. Because I, I just, the reason I don't identify with crypto bro is I feel like um, that has tribal uh, connotations mm-hmm. that I completely like reject. Right. Um, in that like, <laughs> I also hate crypto bros. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. um, uh-huh. But I, you know, 
anyway, we could get into what what is a crypto bro. You know, I guess that's a separate uh, uh, mm-hmm. conversation. But yeah, I um, I mean, I get what you're saying. I I think a whole a whole nother line of um, conversation I would have loved to pursue more with him. And actually, what I would really love to do is have Tyler and Balaji on a podcast together in debate type format. Well, ba- see... Balaji's going to speak for 15 minutes and Tyler's <laughs> going to speak for 15 seconds. Well, well, then would it go like the SBF uh, Eric Voorhees yeah. episode then? Would, would Tyler just slay Balaji? In terms of balance of who's got possession, <laughs> okay. yeah. Not I just necessarily think and who's floundering. And who's Balaji not. could hold his own. But like uh, Tyler was like, yeah, the, the, the whole network state idea is complete BS. This is yeah, out. yeah. I don't but, I mean, agree with Balaji it. Balaji is so uh, ambitious with what he wants network states to be that I think he leaves himself extremely vulnerable to criticisms along the path. But I mean, I think that's if you strawman Balaji's take on it. If you if you if you say that um, if you strawman Balaji's take uh, to say that like um, Balaji thinks nation states are old technology and will all die and be replaced by network states. And if you start with that, and if you think that that is Balaji's, uh, Balaji's actually take actual take mm-hmm. and you kind of work backward from there, then of course it sounds like BS. I, right. I, I think there's a, like a lot of intermediary um, sort of wins for crypto right. where maybe it strips, but like, I, I just, if I were to talk to Tyler about this, I'd be like, but he's already right. How do I know this? You know, Bitcoin is worth, how much is it worth? $700 billion or something? Yeah. Where is mm-hmm. it taking the store value property from? What percentage of fiat has it taken it from? Mm. 20, 30%? It's like, it's already taken. Right. It's right. already unbundled some of the right. money from the state, hasn't it? To a small degree. Now, blo- do you think that that argument, which I am on board with, is what Tyler Cowen is saying when he says that the network state theory is a bunch of BS. I don't know. I, th- that's yeah. the thing I would love yeah. to explore a bit further. Um, I think what, what he was saying is, uh, if I'm recalling this part of the conversation correctly, is like, uh, we're always going to need hospitals and roads. And uh, the, the, the idea that um, a military is not going to be necessary into um, you know the, the 21st century and that the nation state is somehow dying is a complete wrong belief. Like, you know, I could even get behind that. I don't necessarily think that the nation state is is dying, but I also don't think Tyler's that, bullish on nation states. He's bullish on he's bullish on nation states. And yet, what's interesting is he's bullish on nation states. But when you ask questions like, um, "How do nation states govern this frenetic pace?" of technological right. progress that has never yeah. been presented. Like we just made the case that the nation state has no freaking idea what it's doing in, right. with respect to regulating crypto. And then there's AI. Or three other industries. Yeah. yeah. And then uh-huh. there's like um, em- embryo selection. And there's right. like all of these other things, biotech. There's all of these other things. It has no idea how to regulate. Right. And, and <laughs> I mean, you look at Congress now, even versus the 1990s when things were like relatively functional. And like, so our governance systems have presumably gotten worse and yet the, 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 the rate of technological change has gone more rapid. So what are the institutions that shepherd these things and, and govern them? Mm-hmm. Um, 
mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that he has a better structure for human governance uh, around these things. I, you know, yeah, not and that I, anyone like, does, but and you know, I've been going down this like security uh, rabbit hole because it's it's actually really fascinating. More people should should follow me down it. Um, it's just like this inevitable like conclusion securities, that you're saying not securities. Security. Yes, yes, yes. Um, this inevitable conclusion that we as a human organizational body of humanity need to appoint people to regulate our own behavior about how we engage with human created financial assets. We've done that. We've called and we've created this organization called the SEC, which is at odds with what we want in crypto. But if we were to create a new institution we, in order to regulate crypto, like we would need to actually appoint people to regulate us because greed, fraudsters and the greedy will take over if we, if we let them and if we give them the time of day. And so, but how do we do that when the nation state can't keep up with us? The SEC is not keeping up with us. And then we are moving so fast that SBFs can come and explode this industry before the nation state has even like, it just blinks. It's like, oh, fuck, that already happened? Well, wow. so I, but I do think that um, let's not discount the ability for uh, us to embed. So what is, what, what is securities need? Mm-hmm. Rules, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it needs kind of a, a code of conduct, mm-hmm. right? Let's not discount programmable securities, mm-hmm. programmable monies, ability to embed at least some of these things mm-hmm. in the code itself. At least some of them. I'm not saying right. all of it, David, right. but let's take one instance of cash flows on chain. Right. Cool. Now we have full transparency. We don't need the same uh, reporting apparatus. And then crypto is going to take new new technology, new kind of paradigm so it's going to allow us to embed some of the ideals behind securities mm-hmm. law in code and then mm-hmm. you take the remaining squishy stuff and you're like okay we need some humans to decide some aspect of the squishy stuff the meat space mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and then you go and you figure out what's the best human institution or setup to do that and then we go back and you listen to our friend um um professor uh fry um and he talked about like the the original securities and how they were actually like a private uh co-op type of opt-in sort of a structure mm. setup then you start to realize that like the nation state isn't the only tool in our meat space arsenal either right mm. there can be some other th- like even throughout history n- nation states just kind of adopted um private social right. organization technology and kind of glommed onto that and and codified that and centralized that and then kind of scaled that so i uh i also feel like it's uh it's kind of too early um to have all of the answers for how we regulate uh quote unquote right. like uh, what you were calling like uh sparkly securities right 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 and to connect this to the conversation with tyler uh conversation with tyler this podcast <laughs> Uh, when, when we were like, how the F is the nation state going to keep up with not only regulating crypto, but regulating AI and, and biochemical engineering and, and all this kind of stuff is like, well, the nation states historically slow and the private sectors are historically fast. So that's kind of our only option. Yeah. It's like, we got it. We're going to have to do it ourselves. Yeah. I, and that's been my like call to action, which I need to put into an article this entire time is like, guys, 
we need to self-regulate. That's what the SEC is supposed to do. It's not doing it, uh, but we need it. Otherwise, we are going to implode. That's why this 2022 has been so useful, David. And I think Tyler mm-hmm. is making that point. He's just like, where are the widows and orphans who are hurt by FTX? Like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at um, people that bought $40,000 JPEGs, and they're the ones who are hurt right. by this. Right. Right. And I think there's an element <laughs> that they, that's true. I mean, look, yeah. um, if you were parking your money in a crypto exchange based in the Bahamas, right? It's not, it's, it's a li- still it's not, a little on you. Right. And so what happened in 2022? Holy shit. Like if we're not doing this out of the benevolence of our heart and because we're thinking long-term, which we don't always do at, as you know, we, none of us do personally or socially or collectively, then we just touched the stove and it was very, very hot. We got burnt. Yeah. We touched it for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> we just like, <laughs> we just like, kept our hand. Yeah. There. Just like 30 <laughs> seconds. Ah. And then 45 <laughs> seconds, you know, Do Quan, three hours cap yeah. and kept that hand on the stove, you know, yeah. all the way through. It was all of, we had our hand on the stove for all of 2020. <laughs> we may not have a hand anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so that's how the, like the industry, the community kind mm-hmm. of um, learns and levels right. up. Are we going to make the mm-hmm. same mistakes? Not this current generation yeah. of uh, like, <laughs> like crypto users. Yeah. So he's like, hey, the pain has been good. And that is how you get to kind of some self-regulation state. Um, yeah. So I agree with that too. Yeah. yeah. My, my take is that uh, crypto in 2022 fell victim to egotistical personalities. And now we're largely inoculated from that. I think for I hope for a while for for a while it's like long a, enough. It's like a vaccination; it wears off after yeah. a while. Yeah, it wears off after a while, but we're good for we're good for our next bull market. I think. What What about his take that um, uh, you know, the reason AI won't get regulated in the way that crypto is or come under fire is because it doesn't have a big bad guy that can point to a big bad human that can point to, and we certainly had our share of uh, humans, yeah. these egomaniacs that were kind of yeah. causing the. Uh, the problems here and so that's why you can't regulate something that you know um doesn't have a face right doesn't Doesn't have a a pain point no one's gonna make a movie about you know the thing right um i mean yeah it's a it's a good take because it's a isn't that just another conversation on centralization versus decentralization is where centralization is like focal point fpf uh, sbf yeah but with ai it's like what are you gonna sue chat gbt like there's no there's no focal point right i think it'll be harder and um the idea about like that's what all the nation state is is like we we need it's an eye of sauron and it needs a a point to fixate on and if it doesn't have that point then it can't exert its force yeah it's the wrong tool for the job and you you need other tools uh at play um last thing then is this quote of um he said this and we didn't get a chance to jump into it but i i love this take ai will bring about infinity elastic scams yeah, this is when I asked him. Well, about- so this is this is also just Daniel Schmachtenberger's thesis on like the multipolar traps, where at one point you have like China and authoritarianism, yeah. and then the other the other side of the spectrum is like you have complete anarchy because everyone has extremely powerful tools at their disposal. That's a really interesting point. I I need to yeah. rethink about that through this lens. Yeah. So those are the two those are the two traps, right? Those are the two yep. attractors, basin attractors, is complete mm-hmm. anarchy or basically I have Sauron. Yeah, exactly. And so a complete panopticon. Well, yeah. when we asked when we asked uh, Tyler, like, do you think uh, crypto brings more surface area for scams? He's like, not any more than AI. AI will bring about infinity elastic scams. Was his comment? So it's well, like, does that make you feel better, David? Like, 
scamming that something is not, else is worse than us technology is surface area for scams oh yeah, it's what, yeah this yeah, is yeah. why it's not crypto is surface area for scams technology is look at mm-hmm. the internet isn't that surface area for scams without the internet yeah crypto wouldn't exist right yeah and so technology in general is surface area for scams so it's not a problem that's right. isolated to crypto. people always move faster than the government right right technology always moves faster than coordination that's another thing God, I... ima- imagine how bad the scams are going to get when like some master curator of technology can sync crypto and ai to have like the ultimate like i don't know scam mail scam artist thing yeah uh-huh uh it's a dangerous world out there i mean this is why we have to stay vigilant on this we have to level up we have to uh, develop our own scam resistance i really feel like this is a incumbent on specifically younger mm-hmm. generations to do this like it's our job to go protect grandma basically right. um you could imagine just like there's enough data of you and me out on YouTube of somebody being able to like create an AI overlay on Zoom and with our voice. We, there's already we already know of that one AI voice modification startup that that's working on on voice modification. Just sync that together with video and then have David or Ryan sh- like pull Shilla some coin. Twitter Twitter anon yeah. into a Zoom chat and be like, hey, it's great to meet you. Send me a million dollars. And then this gullible person is like, oh, David, he's trustworthy because I listen to him on Bankless all the time. Yeah, that would totally uh, work. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how to, how to solve that. I, 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 will, I will say because we're, having an epi- we're doing an episode uh, today with Signing with Ethereum, mm-hmm. which is pretty yeah. exciting. I was just reflecting. Uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, tomorrow. I was just reflecting on the, um, the fact that it is so easy, it's got to be so easy to spoof my identity right now. So yeah. I've just opened recently some more exchange accounts, um, accounts with exchanges. See if I maximize. Uh, yeah, 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 because I need my next BlockFi hit. I need to lose more money, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the way you open up uh, an account on exchange and get validated uh-huh. is basically a, a uh, driver's license. Mm-hmm or a password, and a selfie. These are two static images. And now I've gotten to the point where I've done this so many times, not just with exchanges, other AML, uh, KYC, that I just have these, like I have a selfie saved on my computer. It's like RSA selfie, you know, .jpg. And I have driver's license, RSA.jpg. So if you want to open an account in my name, all you need is driver's license, RSA, JPEG, and RSA selfie JPEG, and then you just need to know my birth date, my social security number, and bam, you're RSA, and you just open an account. How dumb is that? How stupid is nation state identity? How non-workable yeah. is it for the internet? Versus yeah. Ethereum identification, sign in with Ethereum, where I have my private key. No one can spoof that. I either have it or I don't, and I can sign in and authenticate with a private mm-hmm. key. That is um, a, a huge future solution to yeah. this sort of problem and yeah. something we've got to upgrade to uh, sometime yeah. over this decade. Yeah, that's like a pretty good point. Like your private key is just like this one kernel of, it's like your horcrux, right? There's a reason yeah. why private keys are highly associated with identity yeah. and an unspoofable horcrux. And it's just like such a small, low number of bytes of data that it's so hard if if you have proper private key management to like strip that from you because it's so easily manageable. It it's designed to actually be easily manageable, even though we know that managing private keys is hard. 
it is at the end of the day just a string of characters that we should be able to control. This is just 21st century adulting. Like, to, <laughs> like basically, you need to know how to manage private keys as an adult. Yeah. Do you want to exist in uh, the world? On the internet? On the internet, yeah. you need to know how to manage uh, private keys and password management and know how to use a VPN. This is just 21st century skills that uh, you need yeah. to upgrade to. And we'll be here to help you because yeah. we're learning these skills too. Yep. That's all I got. That's a great sign off. All right. Thanks for hanging with us. This has been The Debrief.